God's word for us today is from Luke chapter 2. This is the story of the boy Jesus in the temple. It's printed for you in your worship folder. Uh, There are sermon notes also in your worship folder on the pink insert. If you're watching online, you can find those sermon notes on our website at holyword.net. This is Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Everybody say it together. Don't! Homer Simpson's catchphrase, signature phrase really, embodies what the satirical comedy cartoon The Simpsons is all about. And here's what it's all about. Two bumbling idiot parents fumbling their way if you're trying to raise a family. Now, maybe Marge once in a while lends some sanity to the gang, but it's really a a comedy show almost in real life. Now, To add to the incompetence of the authorities on the show, there's Pastor Timothy Lovejoy. He's known as the priest who doesn't care because he's lost any joy for the ministry. As a matter of fact, if there's difficult members or people who just require too much of his time, he he asks them to join another church. He once called the Bible a 2,000-page sleeping pill. And then how about Mayor Quimby, embezzler, uh, taking kickbacks, uh, involved in bribes, womanizer, rarely in town. Um, The mayor's seal in his office in Latin, right? It says corrupt mayor. (laughs) And so it's no wonder with all these inept and corrupt and confused authorities surrounding him that Bart Simpson behaved so badly. Now, part of the deal with, with comedies like this, why they make us laugh, is that they're somewhat true. They, they touch on at least a shred of truth in our lives, and that's why we laugh at them. I mean, who of us hasn't looked at their parents and rolled their eyes and gone, oh, are they clueless or what? Or, or they act a bit too goofy for us once in a while. It's kind of embarrassing. All right, see, see, so we're there. Maybe act like uh, Marge and Homer too much. Uh, I don't think I have to work hard to convince you that the church is not perfect. 
I mean, man, you, you look at the church, it's like, bam, bam, that church could grow if they only got their act together. And maybe even there's sometimes you even ask yourself why you even come in the first place. And the government, let me just say three words. Donald Trump's hair. I mean, either you haven't found a way to be serious about his hair, or you, you have found a way to be serious about it, but you're concerned that the rest of the civilized world is not going to be serious about his hair, or him, or the United States. So there we have it. Bumbling, fumbling authorities in our world. Parents, church, government. And Jesus obeyed them all. That's our good news this morning. Jesus loves the fourth commandment. Jesus found a way to obey imperfect authorities, all three kinds, parents, church, and government in his world. And by doing that, he blessed them and he blesses you as he asks you to obey them. And he forgives you and he loves you and he equips you in the fourth commandment to obey like he did. So let's look at the fourth commandment here. Here it is. Honor your father and mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not despise or anger our parents or others in authority, but honor them, serve and obey them, and love and cherish them. So some key words there in that, in that are and other authorities, because the commandment in its essential form says father and mother, but it's really God's way of, of protecting his gifts of authority on this earth in three different places. I mentioned that already in the introduction. Let me show you where the Bible talks about these three different authorities in our world that God has delegated and they serve as his representatives. Number one, parents. Ephesians 6 verse 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Kids, say amen. Yeah, all right. Work on that. Government. Romans 13 verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. And church, Hebrews 13 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's why some of you are here today for Pastor Radloff. This verse right here. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for what good would that, or that would be of no benefit to you. See that? So the Bible talks about parents, government, and church as the authorities. Here's what we're going to do today from Luke chapter 2. We're going to see how Jesus obeyed all three of those as authorities from God, even as God himself, Jesus obeyed them, and how that makes a meaningful difference for our life under the fourth commandment today. All right, let's go. So Jesus and his parents, they travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. They stay in Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, say it's time to leave. They leave. They head back for the 75-mile trip to Nazareth, and Jesus stays behind without their knowledge. Easily happens in those days because when they travel, they travel in caravans, uh, the men and the women aren't even usually together. The men travel in packs. The women 
travel together, and, and so the kids might be with one or the other or with the cousins, and so they're not derelict parents by not knowing that Jesus wasn't with them. But when it comes to the evening meal time, when the families do gather together, after that first day, that's when they realize, oh boy, 12-year-old Jesus is not with us. Start making a search. Don't find him in the caravans. Eventually head back to Jerusalem. They find him in Jerusalem, and then you have this interaction between parents and preteen, which uh, is really revealing, I think, and, and pretty modern as well. So, they did not understand, verse 50 says, why he'd do something like this. They were astonished at his behavior. And then they, later they admitted that while he was missing, they were anxiously searching for him. So this interaction, their questions, the fact that it happened, make Mary and Joseph a little bit like Marge and Homer Simpson, I think. They're trying to kind of fumble around through this, trying to figure it out. They, they don't have everything right. They're imperfect parents, and Jesus obeys them anyway. Jesus did not, after they're, right, they come back, they find him, they, answer, they ask him all these questions, they don't get it. You know, he's saying to his parents, didn't, don't you understand? Jesus didn't <sighs> sigh, roll his eyes, look up to heaven and say, Father, really? These are the best parents you can give me? The Son of God obeyed his earthly parents as perfectly as he obeys his heavenly Father. They weren't perfect. His heavenly Father is. That is when the Bible says that Mary treasured all these things. Kids, look at me and listen. Okay, teens, 20-somethings, actually any age if your parents are still alive and on this earth. I'm going to give you a newsflash here, and it's going to blow your socks off. You ready? Here it goes. Your parents are not perfect. <laughs> I know you thought they were, but I have to set the record straight. Your parents are not perfect. I know, Peter, can you believe it? It's hard, right? Let me give you number two, newsflash. Perfection is not a qualification for being a good parent. So, what is the qualification for being a good parent? Here it is. Kids, God put your parents in charge. God gave you your parents and told them to be in charge of you. They have every God-given right to say at any time, because I say so. Parents, the best version of you to be a parent who deserves a trophy does not require your perfect performance. It doesn't matter what you give to it. Here's where it comes from. It matters that you receive, that, that you are given Jesus' obedience right here in Luke chapter 2. When Jesus obeyed his imperfect parents, he was obeying you. When Jesus blessed them by his obedience, Jesus is blessing you, mom and dad. 
He's blessing you with his grace and with his mercy for when you have made mistakes and for the mistakes you will make. He's saying to you, I have mercy on you and I forgive you. He's saying to you, I am blessing parenthood and I love you. And know what? Your kids love you more than you understand too. And I'm here with you. And mom and dad, don't be afraid. Stop worrying so much about your kids. Don't be anxious. There's going to be times where you don't understand them. My parents didn't understand me. But I love this and I'm in it with you. That's what Jesus says, both to children and to parents, how he takes care of us. All right, it's a similar story for the government here in Luke chapter 2 as well, right? The government is the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire has built decades of resentment into the Jewish people for having their thumb over the Jewish race. They have killed prophets, not just Christian prophets, but other religious sects. Their prophets go out on the countryside, kind of behave kind of crazy like John the Baptist, okay? And uh, yeah, well, John the Baptist, what happened to him? He was killed. So the, the, the government kills prophets. They, they control the people of Judea by heavy taxation. And now think about this. This government in the capital city of Jerusalem is the very government that's going to issue the decree of execution for Jesus. Jesus, as the Son of God, knew from eternity that in this very city, by the edict of of the Roman Empire's governor in Judea, Pontius Pilate, Jesus already knew at this age that the government in this city would condemn him, would crucify him. So when it says this, in verse 43, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if I'm Jesus, and I know that this government is going to crucify me, if I'm Jesus, and I stay behind in Jerusalem, and my parents aren't around to watch me, and the cousins aren't going to rat on me, I'm going to go find my gang friends, I'm going to buy some explosives, I'm going to plant them under government buildings in Jerusalem, and there's going to be this huge blow-up in Jerusalem, and it's going to send a message. I am the Son of God, and you ain't going to mess with me. That Jesus did not do that. Jesus submitted himself to the government, even the government that was going to end his life. He goes to church. He doesn't buy fertilizer and bombs. and He sits peaceably in church and and talks religion in the city that's going to kill him. He submits to the government as much when he's 12 years old as when 21 years later when he's 33 and and they're going to kill him. Why? Because government is God's authority and government answers to God. Government answers to his father, not the other way around. Right, look through the scriptures. You will see Pharaoh in Egypt, the most powerful empire in the world at the time, and God telling Moses and his people, this man answers to me. Cyrus, Nebuchadnezzar, Pontius Pilate, through Herod, throughout the scriptures, Jesus is the king of kings. 
Jesus said to Pilate as he stood before him, and Pilate was going to issue the order for execution, you would have no authority over me if it were not given you from above. Jesus, Jesus honors a government that does not honor him or his father because he, know, he knows who's really in charge. He knows his father is in charge. He's not scared. He's not angry. That means that you can honor your government the same way. That means, and I say this for your comfort and your encouragement, don't, don't be afraid when the government, our government of our country or our state or our city is leading in a direction that you think is totally crazy and is going to take our country or our state or our city to hell in a handbasket and is not going to make America great again. All right? If you don't believe that, it's okay for you to not believe that. It's okay for you to not agree with it. But don't let it freak you out, okay? Don't let it make you afraid. Jesus wasn't afraid. And his government is going to do a lot worse things to him than your government probably will ever do to you. And Jesus wasn't angry either. So don't, 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 don't post memes on Facebook that show you holding the head of Donald Trump decapitated, you know, like this, uh, like the comedian gal. Don't, don't do that stuff. I don't, care what, I don't care what politician it is. It could be Hillary. It could be, it could be any of them. I, it doesn't matter. Their government and the fourth commandment says honor and respect. And a qualification to honor and respect them is not that they honor and respect you. Qualification is that we believe in Jesus and in his words and in his works and in the Father being in charge and being the ultimate authority. And our Father in heaven smiles when we obey a government that's not obedient to him. He smiles because we're believing in him and we're trusting in him. Don't be afraid and don't be angry. Uh, finally, the church. Um, <laughs> I thought about putting up some funny cartoons or, or something that show um, silly stuff happening in churches, but I thought I probably don't have to do that because we do that kind of stuff here at Holy Word and you don't need any cartoons. <laughs> or you've experienced uh, churches and pastors and church leaders before. Certainly the Hollywood media doesn't do us any favors with characters like Timothy Lovejoy on The Symptoms. Um, certainly you know that the church is not perfect. You know that the church can even be confused and corrupt. I have personal friends who are no longer in the pastoral ministry because of corrupt, sinful behavior. Sleeping with the secretary. Embezzling. Worse sexual sins. Abuse of authority. And I pray every day that I, who am susceptible to those sins as much as they were, do not fall into that temptation. When pastors do, it's a mockery to the church and to the ministry, and the church must hang its head in shame. I do not need to go on and convince you that the church is imperfect. But I want to do this. Look at this church where Jesus is standing. He is in the temple in Jerusalem, 21 years later, from, from 12 years old to when he's 33 years old, at that time, this very church 
Perhaps some of the very men that he's sitting among and talking to and asking questions and their, their jaws are dropping and they're amazed at him, 21 years later, are going to clench their fists, are going to condemn him as a blasphemer who says he's God and he, there's no way he can be God, and they're going to cry, crucify him. You think your church is bad sometimes. Your church doesn't do that to you. Jesus' church crucified him. And yet, he obeys them anyway. Jesus, and he doesn't just obey them. These men, I mean, Jesus goes to them. He, he leaves his own family temporarily And he goes to the church that is going to crucify him. And he sits among the men who might be the men who shout, crucify him, 21 years from there. And he he gives himself to them. And he, he belongs to them. And he gives his grace to them. And he doesn't give up on them. And he does the same for us. For confused, even corrupt pastors and church leaders, for that we don't always get it right. For the Chad Whites and the Jim Radloffs and the Darren Lindemans and the Pastor Pattersons of the world and the Jonah Pauls, our, our president, and Nathan Steinke, our elder, we don't always get it right. And what grace to know that, that Jesus is doing the same with us as he did with those men. And he's among us, and he, he believes in us because his grace is among us. And what matters most is that he's here. Not, it's not about us. It's not about our greatness, about our wisdom. What matters most is that he's here. And you need to trust that he's leading this church, not us. One more point about, about this church business. I think it's the most powerful one of all. What festival is Jesus attending right now when he's 12? The Passover. And what was the major component of the original Passover that was given uh, as the 10th plague in Egypt? And even to this day, the major component of it is what? They they sacrifice a, a lamb. So here's the Son of God attending Passover, perhaps not for the first time, but as a 12-year-old, you could go into the place where only the men, you were a man then. When you were 12 years old, you were a man in the Jewish culture, and you could, you could go to the Passover in places you had never been before. And there's the Son of God in the temple, perhaps hearing the bleating of little lambs, and perhaps even seeing the bleeding as their throats are slit and their blood spills and they're, they're executed to death as a symbol of God's grace and forgiveness, of God passing over and not condemning anyone for their sins and as a shadow for the true Passover lamb of God himself who is right there 12 years old. 
Jesus is seeing himself. He is seeing his own throat being slit. He is seeing his own blood dripping to the ground as the Passover lamb of God. And he doesn't run and he doesn't hide. He he goes as a sheep to the slaughter without arguing, without complaining, knowing that he's going to be dying for a bunch of imperfect people in a big imperfect church. So that's why when it says they found him in the temple courts, he's not protesting, he's not rioting against this crazy, mad, sinful church. He's there in it. Blessing it with his obedience. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? That's what church is. That, that's what your church is. Church is, Jesus had it right. Church is not these men. The good ones are the bad ones. It's, it's not them. Church is the Father's house. Jesus could submit to the corrupt, the confused church leaders because they weren't, they weren't in charge. His Father was in charge. Just as God the Father is in charge around here. For that reason, you can love your church. So success for us as a church is not about greatness. It's not about the great strategies or plans. It's not about the the great performance or even the great tenure of years of ministry like Pastor Radloff's. It's not about greatness. It's all about the grace of our Heavenly Father and the grace of Jesus being with us and not giving up on us and being part of us. Love your church because you love the Father and the Son and the Spirit and watch what he can do among us as we belong to him. Uh, If you were to choose... If you were to choose parents that are, are different than the parents that you have now, right, how would you redesign them? I mean, let's say, okay, let, that's, that's crazy. Let's say you're keeping your parents, but you could push some buttons or turn some dials and redesign them a little bit, okay? How would they look or differently? How would they treat you differently if you could reprogram your parents, Or if you were the pastor at this church, or if you were president of the United States, how would you run things differently? Right? You ever think about, you know, if I if I only had if I were in charge, or if I had different people in charge of me, you know what? All of us have our ideas of what what the best authorities look like, but we are all flawed imperfect human beings who have a little bit of wisdom but not as much as God does. And God is perfect in his wisdom and God is designed and watches over and is in charge of your parents, your church, and your government. So I love this verse at the end. It's wrapping it all up. It says Jesus is headed back to Nazareth with his his family and he, and he goes there, and he, he grows up there, and verse 52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God 
and man. Jesus grew. The Son of God grew in wisdom and in stature and in relationships. If the Son of God himself can grow when it comes to the fourth commandment, then you can too. He gives you all kinds of grace today to do just that as he obeys parents, church, and government perfectly to be a blessing to them and to be a blessing to you so that when you obey and honor and cherish and love them, that'll be a blessing for them, it'll be a blessing for you, and it'll be a blessing for everyone around. That's the promise that's attached to the fourth commandment. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, like your parents, we are amazed at you. We are just astonished at your obedience and as the Savior of the world, the grace that you extend to sinners, to imperfect people, to those of us who have trashed the fourth commandment too many times to remember. And yet you come among us as you came among the teachers of Israel. Oh, Jesus, fill us with your grace today and move us in a way that <laughs> makes us amazed and astonished at ourselves because of your grace and your forgiveness and your love that fills our lives. Help us by your obedience to parents and church and government to be examples to others who would disrespect and dishonor them. And as we do, others will be blessed by your rule and authority of love and grace over the whole world. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. May this message be planted in our hearts as we take it with us this week. Amen.